Uh, good morning to you again. Here we are in the empty auditorium, and I'm here and you are at home, and uh, uh, certainly this is a unique time uh, in our nation's history, but uh, I'm glad you've chosen to join us again this morning for worship and uh, want to get right to it. And um, as most of you know, we have been looking at uh, the significant sayings uh, of uh, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ from the cross. And uh, it may have seemed like a long time coming, but today we're going to look at the very last thing uh, that he said from the cross. And so uh, if you have your Bible, and I hope and pray that you do, I'd ask you to grab it and turn with me to Luke chapter 23 this morning. Luke chapter 23, and we'll look at a few verses of Scripture, and and uh, I'm really encouraged because we can see some amazing things just in this one statement uh, from our Lord uh, this morning in Luke chapter 23. Notice with me, uh, beginning, we'll read uh, beginning in verse number 44, and notice the Bible says in verse 44, and it was about the sixth hour, and there was a darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. And the sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was rent in the midst. And in verse 46, notice, And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father, we are thankful to be able to gather together online as a, as a church family. And certainly, Lord, we're thankful for those who may be visiting with us and watching or listening uh, to our services this morning. God, we thank you uh, for bringing them along uh, this morning as well. And God, I just pray that you would be with uh, the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart. Lord, I pray that they would be acceptable in your sight because your word reminds me that you are my strength and you are my redeemer. Lord, I pray that you'll have your will in your way during this time as we look at what you have to say to us, your church, uh, through your word today. Lord, I uh, pray that you'll use every bit of it to uh, draw us closer to thee. And Lord, I pray that if there's somebody that's watching or listening today that doesn't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, God, that you would uh, work in their heart this very moment. Begin to do a work that only you can do. And Lord, we'll be careful to give you the praise for all that you'll do today. And we pray this in the precious name of our Lord and for his sake. We pray amen and amen. Well, uh, today we've uh, gathered for worship, and as we celebrate uh, Palm Sunday, I'm reminded as we begin to look at our text, I'm reminded that just a few days prior to Jesus' arrest, his trial, and his crucifixion, think about it, multitudes of people were crammed in the streets as Jesus made his triumphant entry into Jerusalem. And people were shouting, Hosanna! Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed be the King that comes in the name of the Lord! That took place just a few short days ago. And, and now we find ourselves examining all the final statements or, or sayings, if you please, from Jesus while he hung on the cross. And when we think about all that we have witnessed through our study, think about all the different sayings that we've looked at we, we, we kind of, in our mind's eye, look back and we understand that the Roman crucifixion would have started at about 9 a.m. That was the typical, that was the normal time for starting such events. But I'm guessing there's no doubt that this particular crucifixion, the crowds would have been larger than usual, right? First of all, uh, mostly because of Jesus, right? The man in the middle, 
But think about it also. They're crucifying three men on the eve of the Passover. And as we looked at our story, we looked at different texts. And what we know is that from the first three hours of the crucifixion, things were relatively calm, if you please. I mean, we remember that Jesus prays to the Father to forgive them, for they know not what they do. We know that also that Jesus, he actually has this, this discourse with an honest sinner. And he tells him that you're going to be with me in paradise. And we know from scripture that Jesus honors his mother. And he places her into the loving care of his disciple John. So aside from the jeering and the taunting that would have taken place, it's relatively quiet during the first three hours. But notice in verse 44 of our text, everything begins to change about the sixth hour. Look at verse 44. And the Bible says there was a darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. So from 12 noon or the sixth hour until about 3 p.m., there's this darkness that covers the earth. And so during this time of supernatural darkness, here's the thing for us to remember. The Bible here clearly states that not only is there darkness over these proceedings on Golgotha, but the darkness is over all the earth. Reminds us of the supernatural darkness that took place. And we talked about this a few weeks ago in Matthew chapter 27. Actually, I believe it's in verse number 46 as well. And it's also revealed in Mark chapter 15 and verse number 34 where Jesus is actually on the cross and he says those words. He says, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And so we know that during this time of darkness, Jesus has become sin. The weight of the world, the weight of the world's sin is thrust upon our Lord and Savior. But can you imagine that when the light reappears, all the eyes that are searching around in darkness couldn't see anything. I can only imagine all the eyes that are immediately fixed back on Jesus of Nazareth. See, and then we read on in Scripture. Remember, we were looking the past couple of weeks in John chapter 19. And in verse number 28, Jesus ekes out literally the idea that he's thirsty. And then we know that in verse number 30 of John chapter 19, he says that word tetelestai, or it is finished. And now, uh, as life is beginning to leave his body, right? Life has been uh, pulled out of his body. He actually reminds us of a few things in his final statement. Look here again in our text in Luke 23 in verse 46. He says, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. You see, in his final words from the cross, Jesus actually underscores the fact that death is a part of life. But he also reveals to us and indicates to us that physical death is not the end. And as we look at Scripture, we're all the time telling ourselves that Jesus is our, our example, right? We, we follow his example in serving one another. We follow his example in loving one another and offering forgiveness to one another and on and on. But here in our text, we can also see that Jesus is actually trying to communicate a few lessons to us in this final statement that he's making from the cross. And so if you're a note taker, I pray that you are. Uh, I want to share with you just a few thoughts about this. First of all, I believe if we look back at verse 46, I believe that Jesus is actually teaching and reminding us all that we can trust our heavenly father. 
that we can trust our Heavenly Father. Think about it. The first thing Jesus says, look, in verse 46, he says, Father. One of the things that I know about uh, uh, Scripture and, and the recorded words of Scripture uh, recording what Jesus said, Father was his favorite title for God the Father. Absolutely. This indicates, the. it speaks of the intimacy that existed between God the Father and God the Son. And if we recall, his very first statement from the cross was, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And now, in his final words from the cross, Jesus says and speaks, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. How amazing is that? It was only as he agonized. Remember, it's only as he agonized, right? When he became sin for us, right? Him, he that knew no sin, when he became sin for us, it's only during those, those, that three-hour period of time that Jesus actually says, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Remember, it was a picture, as even Martin Luther said, it was God forsaken by God. And so we now see in uh, verse number uh, 46 that Jesus is talking again to his father. Because, see, here's the one thing I know. Last week we were talking about that it was, it, it was finished. And remember we talked about in John 19, verse number 28, that knowing that all things were accomplished and that all scripture had been fulfilled, Jesus was recognizing that the full price for sin had been paid. He had understood and recognized that God's full cup of wrath had been emptied. The burden of sin had been lifted. The way of eternal life had been paved for you and me. And so what we see here when he begins by saying Father is that Jesus was able to rest in the strength, in the peace of the Father. We also see that he realizes that his, his spirit really could be in no greater hands. And as the Son of Man, he resigns himself, right? He resigns himself not only in life, but now as he prepares for death to the Father's hands. So you see, Jesus' example of surrender to the Father reminds you and me that we can trust our Heavenly Father, right? to bring us home as well. How incredible is that? Scripture is clear. By the way, Scripture is clear and reveals for us that we serve a God that doesn't lie. Right? We don't, we don't serve a liar. We serve a God that doesn't lie. In fact, in Numbers 23, in verse number 19, you may remember this verse of Scripture. The Bible says, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? It's in Titus 1. In, in Titus 1, uh, verses 1 and 2, Paul, in his greeting to young Titus, he says this, he says, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledging of the truth, which is after godliness, notice what he says in verse 2, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. The fact that God cannot lie and that his nature is always to tell the truth should excite us, right? Because it reminds me that I could trust God. He's not going to communicate something in his word. He's not going to uh, tell us something that we cannot trust. 
I remember in John chapter 14, and uh, you may remember this, in John 14, Jesus is, is uh, gathered there with his disciples in the upper room. And uh, in verse number two, he tells his disciples that in his father's house are many mansions. And if you go on and read in that text, it says that he says that if it were not so, he would have told them. Folks, if Jesus, right, God's own son, actually says that in his father's house are many mansions, I don't know about you, but I'm going to trust that in his father's house are many mansions. And I know there's a lot of people who get uh, carried away. Maybe you have a version of scripture that says there are many rooms in the father's house. Remember I said a few weeks ago, I think sometimes we get so carried away with the descriptions of the destination, we fail to see the beauty of who will be in eternity, right? We're going to go and spend eternity with God throughout eternity. I'm not so much worried about whether I have a mansion or a room. I remember working at kids camp uh, many years ago and uh, going there and the kids have a song called Big House. And the song reveals that in my father's house, it's a big, big house with lots of lots of room, right? What an amazing thing to think that God has plenty of room for you and for me. We can trust our heavenly father. In Psalm 103, this is an amazing passage of scripture. In Psalm 103, in verse number two, the Bible tells us to bless the Lord and not to forget his benefits. And if you read on in verses three, four, and five, Notice, we're reminded of a few things. In fact, I'm going to flip over there. We're reminded of a few things that we can see in Psalm 103, right? Verses, two, uh, verses 3, 4, and 5. And notice, the Bible reminds us of our so-called uh, 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 benefit package is what I put down on my notes, right? Everybody's looking for a benefit package. Can I tell you with our Heavenly Father, there's a benefit package. Notice, it tells us not to forget his benefits. Look at verse number three. It says, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. Verse number five, who satisfy thy mouth with good things. Oh, folks, we can trust our heavenly father. James chapter one and verse number seven. James tells us that Every good gift and every perfect gift cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. In Matthew chapter 6, the Bible reminds us that our Heavenly Father knows about the things that you and I have need of. Oh yes, we can trust our Heavenly Father. When it comes to trusting Him though, I think what I like the most is that verse over in 1 John chapter 4 and verse number 10. John says this, notice, he says, herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation or the atonement or the payment for our sins. Guys, the father loves you and I so much that he sent his only begotten son to pay the price for my sin and for your sin and for the sins of the world to pay a debt that I could never pay. What an amazing, loving Father we have. We could trust Him, right? Well, I'm sure when Jesus begins His final statement on the cross by saying, Father, He's not only saying 
that he could trust his heavenly father. He's telling me that I can trust him and that you can trust your heavenly father. But the statement doesn't stop with the word father. It goes on. Notice in verse number 46, I think not only is, is Jesus not only, he's not only saying that we could trust our heavenly father, but he's also telling us that we could be sure where we're going. Right? He says, father, into thy hands. He's, he's indicating where he's going. See, Jesus' earthly ministry has come to a close. Right? Wicked hands. Think about the wicked hands that he had been subject to. Right? Wicked hands had beaten him. They had whipped him. They had abused him. Wicked hands had crowned that thorn upon his brow. Wicked hands had ripped out his beard from his face. Wicked hands had nailed him to the cross. We see over and over what wicked hands had done to destroy Jesus. But here, after knowing that all his pain and suffering is over, knowing that he has accomplished everything that the Father sent him to do, he knew that there's no safer place to be than in the Father's hands. You and I, I want to encourage you, there's no safer place that we can be than in the Father's hands. The great news is today, really, is that you and I can actually know where we're headed. You may be sitting there watching or listening and you say, I don't know where I'm headed. I'm confused about where I'm headed. I want to ask you, do me a favor. Take your Bible, flip over to the near, uh, to uh, close to the end of the, the Bible in 1 John. Find 1 John. I want you to see this text in Scripture. In 1 John, it's so incredibly important that you mark this, right? If you haven't looked at this passage in a while, I want everyone, whether you're a believer or whether maybe this is the first time you're trying to make a spiritual connection with the Lord, I want you to mark this in your, in your Bible. In 1 John, look at this, chapter 5. Notice what the Bible says beginning in verse number 11. Watch. It says, and this is the record that God has given us. What does it say? Eternal life. And this life is in his son. And he that hath the son hath life. And he that hath not the son of God hath not life. But notice verse number 13. These things have I written unto you that you believe on the name of the son of God that you may know. It doesn't say that you might hope so. It says that you might know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. Folks, God is not offering us a hope so, maybe so salvation through His Son. Our Heavenly Father who can be trusted wants you and He wants me to know that we can have eternal life. Jesus said, Father, into Thy hands I commend my spirit. He knew where He was headed in fact, in John chapter 5, in verse number 39, speaking of his own witness, Jesus Christ, he actually says these words. He says, search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And they are they which testify of me. He's saying, when you search the scriptures, what you're going to find is that these scriptures actually testify of me. And the Bible says that you and I can know that we have eternal life and that that eternal life, remember 1 John 5, 11, is through Jesus Christ, the Son. John tells us also in his gospel in John chapter 1 that in him, speaking of Jesus Christ, in him was life and the life was the light of men. It was the Apostle Paul who was talking to uh, young Timothy 
in uh, 2 Timothy 3 and verse number 15. He was telling Timothy and he was reminding Timothy that it was through the Holy Scriptures. Remember, Jesus says it's in through the Scriptures that testify of him that will find eternal life, right? And so he was reminding Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.15 that the Holy Scriptures were uh, is what was able to make him, watch what it says, that they were able to make him wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Folks, the Bible is pretty clear. It tells us that by faith, that you and I, by faith in Jesus Christ, you and I can know where we're headed. Not only can we trust our Heavenly Father, we can know where we're headed. After stating in John chapter 6 and verse number 35, after Jesus states that He's actually the bread of life, if you look down further in Scripture, in that same passage, He's talking about the Father's will concerning those that see and believe in Jesus, right? And in verse number 40, notice what the Bible says. In John chapter 6 and verse 40, the Bible says this, And this is the will of Him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on Him may have everlasting life. And notice, He says, And I will raise Him up on the last day. What an amazing passage of Scripture. In fact, I always tell people this, Scripture confirms Scripture. And if I were to take you over to 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 9, you would find out that that passage also confirms what we've just read in John chapter 6 and verse 40. Because the Bible says in that passage that the Lord is not slack concerning His promise. As some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Oh yes, we can trust our Heavenly Father. We can know where we're headed if we've placed our faith in the risen Savior of the world. I'm reminded over in Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas, they're locked up in jail, in a Philippian jail. And uh, maybe you've read this passage, but it's in Acts chapter 16 and verse number 30 that uh, uh, the Philippian jailer is asleep. Uh, the, the, the cell doors open up, uh, lightning and thunder begin to rumble, and they're singing and praising God in the jail. And the, and the jailer's fallen asleep, and he, he awakes to find everybody still in their place. Paul reassures them that uh, don't, don't be afraid. We're all here. We have an escaped prison, right? And the jailer comes to Paul and Silas. And in verse number 30 of Acts chapter 16, he simply asks the million dollar question. And here's what he says. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And their response in verse number 31 is pretty straightforward. This is what they say. They said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. So many passages of Scripture teach us the same thing. And folks, what I know from God's Word is that His desire for you and for me is to know where we are headed when the end of this life comes, right? When we come to the end of this life, He wants us to know where we're headed. Jesus said, Father, into Thy hands. Right? He says, Father, I trust You, but I know where I'm headed. But notice 
the last thing that this verse says. Verse 46, Jesus concludes his final statement. He says, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And so I think, how incredible is it Jesus says not only that we could trust our Heavenly Father, not only can we know where we're headed, but he says we can finish well. We can finish well, right? Last week I I was reminding you of what Dr. Gary Gray, a pastor I worked for in Springfield, Missouri, when Krista and I first uh, moved out to go to Bible college and was serving uh, there at Park Crest Baptist Church. And Dr. Gray used to say that uh, typically in, in, in our spiritual life, we, we typically have a good beginning. And then some don't have such a great middle or a great ending. And his goal was always to have a good beginning, a good middle, but also a good finish, right? And I think this is what Jesus is saying. He says, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And what we see here is notice that this text, the word commend actually means to present, to commit, or to deposit. And so Jesus is simply making the statement that he is depositing something valuable in a safe place. And what was the safe place he was talking about? The Father's hands. You and I can finish well, right? By trusting the Father, by knowing where we're headed and and knowing that we're placing something so incredibly valuable into the Father's hands. Listen, knowing that he had completed everything that the Father had sent him to do, Jesus is setting a perfect example for you and I of how we can finish well, right? He had no bitterness or unforgiveness lingering in his heart. He had no regrets. Last week we talked about the fact that he had no unfinished business. He drank the full, he willingly drank the full cup of God's wrath, right, for you and I. And Scripture tells us that he was in full control all the way. In fact, last week, Scripture, we were looking at John chapter 10 and verse number 18, where Scripture reminds us that Jesus said his life was not taken from him, but that he would lay it down all by himself. He had the power to lay it down, and he had the power to take it up again. Matthew chapter 27 In fact, you could stay where you're at, but Matthew chapter 27, Jesus actually confirms what I just uh, reminded you of from John chapter 10. It says this, Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, it says in Matthew 27 verse 50, that he yielded up the ghost. Now look at that verse. Look at it. Take, Take a second look at it. Jesus, when he cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. This means that he actually yielded it up himself. No one took it from him. Jesus did it of his own accord. In fact, if we were to look over in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse number 14, the Bible tells us that he offered himself without spot. Right? The sinless, spotless Lamb of God. He offered himself without spot unto God. You see, Jesus knew it was time to die. He wasn't afraid to die. He he only died after completing all that his father had sent him to do. He died. He was in complete control. And he died knowing that his destination was secure in the father's hands. He was going back to the father. He had finished his course. In 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 18, 
The Bible encourages us to remember that Jesus Christ suffered once for our sins. And it says this, the just for the unjust. But keep reading. It says the just for the unjust that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. As Christians, you and I have been set free from the fear of death because of the victory that we have in Jesus. That's great news. And you say, man, you got excited. Yeah, it's, it's great news. We've been set free from the fear of death. Think about it. What do we typically fear as human beings? We fear the unknown. We fear, listen, you may be dealing with a certain level of fear right now. Right now with this COVID-19, we fear what we cannot see. We fear the unknown. And Jesus is saying, right, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. He's saying you don't need to fear death. The just for the unjust, what I just read in 1 Peter 3.18, the just for the unjust that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened or made alive by the spirit. We don't have to fear the unknown. A physical death. In Hebrews chapter 2, in verse 14 and 15, notice what the scripture says. I, I pray this will be an encouragement to you. The Bible says, For as much then as the children are partakers of the flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through, what does it say? Through death, he might destroy him that hath the power of death, that is the devil. Who is Jesus destroying? He's destroying the devil. Now watch, verse 15. And deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Fear, especially the fear of death, keeps us locked and gripped in bondage. But Jesus Christ came to set you. He came to set me free from the fear of death. Our Savior has broken death's power. He has put an end to Satan's power. If you please, we no longer, I'm thankful for it. I no longer have to feel fear. I no, have to, I no longer have to live in bondage to the fear of death. In fact, 1 Corinthians 15, right? Beginning in verse number 55. This passage of Scripture, the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Corinth, he says these words, he says, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, death no longer it's no longer an entryway into the dim unknown. Death is literally a passageway to the very presence of God. Jesus said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Death is not the end. It's not reincarnation. It's not evaporation. It's not annihilation. Death, in fact, is more like a trade-in. It's like a trade-in. Many of you may have traded in your old car for a new car. Think about it like that. Death is like a trade-in. One day, I'm going to trade in this broken down body with all its hurts, with all its ailments, right? 
I'm going to trade it in for a glorified body. What an amazing thought to think death is not all of these other things that we're afraid of, but death is an opportunity for to us to trade in to that glorified body. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 1, the Bible says, For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands. Praise the Lord. And notice what it says, eternal in the heavens. Oh yes, my friends, those of us who believe and trust that Jesus' death, right? We, we believe and trust in the vicarious death of Jesus, cross, uh, of Jesus Christ on the cross for, to pay, for the, pay the debt that we couldn't pay, right? To pay the penalty for our sin, right? Death is like a trade-in. Oh, I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to something better. I'm looking forward to something more beautiful. I was thinking in my office the other day as I was preparing this message and even this morning I was singing to myself that song, Oh, what a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. And I look upon His face, the One who saved me by His grace. And He takes me by the hand and He leads me through the promised land. Oh, what a day. What a day that will be. Oh yes, Jesus said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Like Jesus, you and I, we can trust our Heavenly Father. Like Jesus, we too can know where we're headed. Like Jesus, we can finish well. If you're a believer. But maybe you're watching. Maybe you're listening. And as of this very moment, you're not a believer. I want you to know that this moment right now is for you, right? We can look through Scripture and we, we can look at all the things that point us to our own sinfulness. I mean, I think about what the book of Romans tells us. In Romans 3.10, the Bible tells us that there's none righteous, no, not one. By the way, in the Greek, none actually means none, right? It means none. That includes me. There's none righteous, no, not one. The Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. In fact, over in Isaiah 64, uh, 64 verse number 6, the Bible reminds us that we are all unclean things and that our righteousnesses are like filthy rags. But the fantastic news is that Scripture just doesn't contain passages that remind us of our sinfulness. The good news is that Scripture reminds us that we too can have eternal life. It reminds us that God loves me, that God loves you. In fact, you remember what we just read a few moments ago in 1 John chapter 5 and verse number 11. Again, Scripture says that God has given to us eternal life and this life is in His Son. But verse 12 goes on and it says, He that hath the Son hath life and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. The point is the choice is up to you. Yes, the wages of sin is death. But the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 6 and verse 23, not only is the wages of sin death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You can have eternal life. You can actually know, as 1 John 5, 13 said, you can know that you have eternal life 
And you can know it right now based on the authority of God's word. Because I'm reminded what the Bible tells me in Romans 10, verse number 13. When it simply says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Oh, I beg of you. I beg of you right now, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, if, if you're not sure you can trust your Heavenly Father, if you're not sure where you're headed, if you're not sure how to begin or even finish well, I beg of you to simply call out upon the name of the Lord right now for the forgiveness of your sin. Right? Do it right now. 2 Corinthians Chapter 6 and verse number 2 reminds us all that now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. And so I pray that you'll make that decision today to trust Christ as the Lord and Savior of, our, of your life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the time that we've had to be in your word today. God, I thank you for your amazing goodness to us that even the, the very last statement from the cross, that our Lord and Savior in saying, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit, he reminds us all that we too can trust you, that we too can be sure of where we're headed when this life is over, and that we too can know and not only know where we're headed, but this will allow us to finish in a way that brings you honor and glory. Father, I pray that if there's somebody that's not called out upon the name of the Lord, that they would do that. That they might simply make the decision right where they are to ask the Lord Jesus Christ to forgive them and to come into their life right now. Really, that they might just simply communicate that desire from their heart. That they would, in their living room, in their car, in wherever they're watching right now, wherever they're listening, they would call out upon the name of the Lord, that they would say, Lord, please forgive me of my sins. Please come into my life and change me. That they would make that decision. Oh, I pray that they would do that. God, I pray for those who are believers, those, those who know you, that they might be encouraged today. In the midst of this, this COVID-19 pandemic, in the midst of not being able to gather for worship together, in the midst of being separated and only being able to worship together online as a community of believers, God, that they might buy up the opportunity that they have today to look into your word, to be encouraged, that they can trust you, to be, to be able to celebrate the fact that they know where they're headed when this life is over, that we don't have to fear death. And then to begin to put together a life that brings you honor and a life that finishes well. God, I thank you for the time that we've had today. I pray that you'll bless throughout the remainder of the day, God, that you'll draw our hearts and our minds close to thee. God, I pray that this upcoming week, that God, as we enter into this Easter week, God, that our thoughts and our words and our actions might be that which bring you the most honor and the most glory. Lord, we love you and we thank you for all that you do, all of your many gifts. Truly, they are good and perfect. God, help us to celebrate all that you do for us. And we pray this in the precious name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, and for his sake, amen. Guys, thank you so much for joining us. I get refreshed 
when I get into God's word, I pray that that has been the case for you as well. And I look forward to seeing each and every one of you soon uh, for worship again online. God bless you.